we connect as human beings, we are wired actually to think in story and we connect through story. So if I share a story online, I do that very intentionally. It's that I have thought, what is the point that I think people that I'm trying to make? And then what's the story that best illustrates that point? Hey there, it's Hector. Uh, welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah. Hey. Hey, and today we have a friend of ours, a guest, uh, Heather Thompson Day. Hi, Heather. Hello. Hey, welcome to the Pocket Pulpit. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have Heather with us. You all might know her from her phenomenal new book, It's Not Your Turn, or her new podcast with Christianity Today, Viral Jesus, or her online community, I'm That Wife, or from any number of places where she contributes, Barnard Group, Religious News Service, Christianity Today, and Newsweek. Her writing has been featured on outlets like the Today Show and National uh, Communication Association. She's been interviewed by BBC Radio Live and featured in Forbes, or you may know her for what I think she's best known for, which is being everyone's favorite Twitter friend crush. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a little bit about like what you do, but who are you, Heather? I think first and foremost, my answer to that is that I'm a teacher. Mm. That I think encapsulates a lot of how I move through life. And anybody who works in education knows what I mean when I say that. Whether I'm in a classroom or not, I constantly, for myself, just as I go through interactions, I, I'm always looking for what can I learn from that? I'm a forever student, but also... I want people to see the best in themselves. And I think every really great teacher, that's the goal, not to show your class how smart you are, but to show them how smart they can be. Awesome. Um, what platforms are you on and what's your preferred platform? So I'm on all of them. I think, I think I'm on every platform. My preferred is obviously Twitter. I am 100% a Twitter person. I think most real authors are Twitter people. There's some bias there, but to me, what an honor, right? That you get to write these tiny little messages and everybody who writes books, you know how, how difficult the publishing process is. So for me, I'm always in awe of the fact that I get to just write and use my words to speak into all these different people's lives at the click of a button. For me as a content creator and as a writer, that is a huge honor that I've, I'm still mystified by. Well, here at the Pocket Pulpit, we're passionate about social media ministry. Uh, we want to go with people who are also passionate about social ministry, um, who already see it and think about it and talk about it and are trying things on social media to minister to others. When do you think that you first started noticing that social media was more than just a marketplace, just a billboard uh, or a bulletin board, but rather a place where you could actually care for and connect with others? So I feel as though I've almost always used social media in that way. The first word of social media is social. And I, that has always, I'm a communication person. So we should preface it by saying I have studied communication for the last, I don't know, 12 or something years of my life. So I love understanding how do I best, communication is just the study of relationship building. How do I best build relationships between me and the organization that I'm trying 
to reach or the target market that that organization is trying to reach. That's what communication theories are. And so social media was never this monster to me because it, I just saw it as this giant relationship building tool. I've always seen it in that way. And I've, I think I've always used it that way. It's just, nobody cared. I was tweeting, I thought fantastic content yeah. for a couple years before I ever even had a thousand followers. I don't, I mean, I, it was definitely a couple years and I can remember the day that I hit a thousand followers and I was just like, wow this is amazing. There's a thousand people now that I get to impact with my words. What an honor. You know, I, I never, I don't think I would have thought even last summer that I would be at almost 50,000 people. Now that didn't really wow. ever occur to me. And it happened. It feels like it happened very slowly, but it seems quickly now when I look back, I'm like, Oh, that actually wasn't that big of a time period. I guess it's been like the last 18 months or two years, something like that. I really steady growth. So I read somewhere and actually I've heard you say this, you've said this to me. And the, and the first time I heard you say this, I wrote it down in my journal. So if anybody wants to get their journal ready, it is time. To I write. hope this is going to be good now with that type of intro for it. <laughs> it was really good for me. So you said at the end of the day, all you have in life is your integrity. Yeah. And our followers won't get us into heaven and our success and riches can't come into our caskets. However, a life lived intentionally can make ripples long after you're gone. So it can be really tempting. Like you talked about that feeling when you first hit a thousand and, and you didn't imagine you would have the followers that you have now, but it can be really tempting to focus on followers or evaluating your analytics or content creation and think that those are measures of a successful online experience. But can you talk to us about how you measure what you would call success, like a successful tweet or a successful success with the podcast, success with the book in light of that statement about integrity. Yeah, to me, engagement. And I, this is what I tell all of my students. You are never tweeting for followers. You're tweeting for engagement. That is, you, and this is true, like if we're just like zoom out, if we're gonna do it, just even looking at marketing. I know personally people who are making a full-time living through their Instagram with 5,000 followers or less, because it's not about the number of followers. It's about 5,000 people who are down for you. You feel connected to your message, who are driven by your content and they'll show up for you every single time. So please do not get stuck on measuring followers and saying, this is how I know I'm successful. And, and this something I like to do for fun is to look at different people's content who have a million followers or 200,000 followers. And I look at their ratio between how many people are commenting and what is their engagement like? How many people are clicking like and actually commenting back? To me, that's how you know if that person's actually hitting within their target market is if you're seeing lots of conversation back and forth in a comment section, retweets and likes. You can have 200,000 followers. And if you only have, I think it's like 4%, right? So statistically only 4% of the people who follow you are seeing your stuff anyway. So keep that in mind. Sometimes I think people will feel discouraged because they'll see somebody else who has a lot of followers get even any engagement. And then they feel like there's something wrong with themselves because they only have 200 followers and they get one like, well, only 4% of people are seeing that anyway, right? So 
there's so many things when it comes to social media that I think there's like a lot behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz that I think sometimes people aren't aware of and then they feel bad about themselves. So I like to lift up the curtain so that people understand. Mm. No, very rarely, at least I can say for our blog, for our blog, we were very strategic as we built that. We have that, I'm that wife is at over 200,000 followers now. That was strategic decisions that we made and it was never in isolation. A, I had a partner, Scarlett, who is my best friend. And so that really worked well together because we get each other. We have very similar vision. We're driven by the same things. We, we communicate kind of similarly, but we also worked with other mom bloggers, meaning there was like circles. And this is very true of, especially on Instagram, where you have people who are all in the same space. Let's say teacher Instagram, which is a thing, or mom blog Instagram, which is the thing. And um, Christian influencing Instagram, which is a thing where you'll have maybe 15 or 20 people in a loop behind the scenes that are messaging each other. And they'll, they'll invite you, they'll DM you and say, Hey, we're doing a loop. Do you want to join? And then you can decide if you want to. And what a loop means is they're going to pick a person every single day for that month or for the next two weeks. And they're going to share that person to their story and say, oh, you should follow this person, haha. So they'll pick whatever meme on your page or whatever post that is good. And then they'll all share you to their story at the same time on that same day. But you all do it for each other. And at the end of that 30 days, everybody ends up with like a thousand more followers because you're sh sharing it to 20,000 people each hit as they share it to their story. So that's what I'm saying. This is not like, it doesn't always just happen. There's a lot of strategy that's happening and there's groups who work together. So please never feel bad that somebody hasn't invited you to the group yet. Make your own group, find people who are doing the same thing and say to them, Hey, we're all in Christian podcasting right now. Will you tell your followers about me? And I'll tell my followers about you. And here's the day that we're going to do it. And let's get 15 of us together and expose people to new content, you know? So these are there's actual decisions that are being made that affect people's growth. And I think sometimes we're not aware of those things unless somebody is actually going to tell you what's happening. That's so helpful to know because it, from the outside looking in, you can just be like, this person is exploding. And I, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the difference. And to know that there are strategies and tools, I, I hope is very encouraging to people to know that it's not that they are, that their content isn't valuable. But also I think it's important to note that there are accounts that I watch that have good engagement, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe them as successful from an integrity standpoint at all. Mm. And, and they may have engagement from their people, but they are not connecting. They are not engaging with their people. They might drop a bomb and then walk off and everybody engages with with the bomb that has exploded but it's just a bunch of people playing with shrapnel you know it's mm. not it's not growth it's not care it's not ministry it's just it's just a bomb yeah that i see that on twitter a lot yes yeah. and so and i i look sympathetically at it because i think sometimes it was a mistake. Like you posted something that maybe you felt the first time that really made you mad. And just so everybody knows things that go viral, anger is the fastest way to get people's attention. It will move. It is just an emotion that compels us towards action almost stronger than any other emotion. Sadness, by the way, is the worst one to use. So when we say something sad, you're going to get the least amount of engagement or interaction because people don't like that emotion. They don't want to feel sad. We will jump into anger 
every day. And we love laughter and we love joy, right? So if you can give those things, people are more likely to connect with you. I think on accident, sometimes somebody will put something out that's angry because they're angry at the moment that they say it and they get a lot of reaction and then it feels good, right? You're getting that hit of dopamine that says, hey, people are paying attention to me. People are listening to me. And I think sometimes what happens is then you start manufacturing it because you're trying to get that quick hit or growth again. And that is very dangerous, I think. And I just feel bad. I don't, I, I can't wrap my mind around why people, especially in a time when we're all so on edge anyway, would ever want to make a living or spend their days trying to figure out how to make people angry. I, that to me, I can't even compute it in my brain. It makes it just seems really exhausting for you personally. And so I just want to caution everybody because I, you see it. I'm sure we all know, like you see it online and it looks like, it looks like a really fast way to grow, but I think at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's something that we've talked about here and, you know, it's, it's not a new conversation, but the idea that social media uh, it gives everyone an opportunity to act less human. Uh, and so Inside of that, you talked about engagement and healthy engagement and seeing people engage with the content and and the other way around as you're engaging with others. What is, uh, sorry, not what is, but that's one of the things that we noticed about you is that you seem to to not only just engage with your following, but also to share stories of human, like the humanness of people and their stories and then connect. And that helps others connect as well. And so like, is that something that you have to think about intentionally or that flows naturally or is a skill that you've developed? Uh, Can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah. So stories for me are intentional. I, my dissertation was on stories. I studied stories academically for about five years, trying to understand how teachers can use stories in their classroom to build engagement. And so as I went into just, can I just share a little bit? Let's nerd out for a second. Yeah. So stories affect us physiologically. When we hear somebody else tell a story, our bodies release the hormone called oxytocin. Actually, it releases cortisol, which causes stress and says, what's going on? Pay attention. And then oxytocin, which says, I love you right? Cuddle me, hold me. Um, It's the same hormone a a woman releases as she's nursing a newborn baby. And it's what tells her brain, you love this baby, connect to this baby. This baby matters to you. We release oxytocin when we listen to each other, share stories. And so that, when I figured this out as a communication person, as a communication professional, I tell my students all the time, whatever it is you're trying to say, how do you say it in a story? We remember stories, a Stanford study found, we remember stories up to 22 times better than facts alone. Um, They did a experiment where they tested two versions of a donation letter to trying to raise money for save the children. And one gave all the stats and horrible circumstances that was happening in um, a certain country in Africa. And they were trying to raise money for the children. And then the other version of the request letter simply told a story of one little girl named Rokia. That was it. And what do you think? Which letter made people donate more? The story. The story, story, right? So we, even though we only learned about one person, as opposed to here's what's happening to all the kids in this country. So we connect as human beings. We are wired actually to think in story and we connect 
through story. So if I share a story online, I do that very intentionally. It's that I have thought, what is the point that I think people that I'm trying to make? And then what's the story that best illustrates that point? That's good. Yeah. We didn't, I did want to, um, I had another question about the humanity, but because we're on the topic of storytelling, um, we did have another question about storytelling. Hector, I think um, you were, you were on that one. Yes. Uh, so kind of the, this style, right? Like it, it is this thing and not necessarily brand, but just the style of engagement is storytelling. Um, it's something that draws people into anything that we've seen and, and heard and read that you're involved in. It, it is around story. Um, we know that storytelling is an art. You talked you, you talk that there is science in it as well. Um, can you share a little bit about how maybe the strategy for the different platforms changes around, um, like the, the strategy of how to share that story changes with the different platforms? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say for, for Twitter, I'm always just sharing a story and, but then really what I, it's not, I am sharing the story, but really I'm trying to share some point that I've been thinking about, right. That I just feel like is important. And I'm like, I want to make sure people understand this point. And so I, I will sit, I will actually sit down and say, okay, what story do I think best fits with this point that I'm trying to make? For Instagram, let's just like, literally there are stories, right? And, and don't look at my Instagram right now because I have been horrible. (laughs) First of all, first of all, I don't even do my Instagram anymore. I have a girl that runs it for me. Her name is Raquel Mentor. Anybody can hire her. She is fantastic. Um, so she does all my posts on my behalf. And now I, I, I haven't been, I used to be really good at stories. And I would say most of my followers that I did have on Instagram were because I was really good at making stories. And by the way, a story is called a story, which means you should be bringing people into some type of story of your life. Right. And so every time they watch your story, they're supposed to be learning something about you or about your day that they feel. And and just think about this. The best thing to do with your stories is to like, tell them in the beginning right? So let's say I'm, I'm just going to use an example of how to use a story correctly. And again, don't go to mine right now. Cause I have been not posting stories this way in about, I don't know, like eight months because I'm so burned out on my life period. But it would usually be that I would say, Hey guys, I'm going to go work out today. I have got to start working out. I haven't run in like two months, three months. I'm going to go work out. I don't think I can do it. Then the next story I would, it, it would stay in that story of me getting ready to work out. And then me actually working out, then me talking to you while I'm on the run and then me going home, right? So people will, this is gonna, I don't know if it'll blow your guys' minds, but for me, when I was first looking into this, I was like, this is so fascinating. People will actually feel compelled to come back to your Instagram because they wanna see if you finished the workout. They Mm -hmm. wanna see if you actually went on the date. They wanna see what happened when you went on the date. They have to know the end of the story. So as you're using stories, Think about what is the story that I'm trying to tell people in my life today? And how do I send that message? And how do I think creatively about how to get that across? Because people will be more likely to come back. I I didn't even have a lot of followers on Instagram, but my story views were super, super high. And it was because I was really intentional about doing that. But now I'm a horrible example. We'll just go pull data from back then. Yes, you'd have to go to my old stories where I, I used to be so good at them. 
So my second, uh, our second question that like talked about portraying the humanity or portraying humanity online, actually, I heard you sort of talk about it and what you just said. And that is like, we know, like you can portray the humanity of others really well in person and online, but a danger with social media is that it can impact like your own humanity. It's particularly dangerous, dangerous for people who I think who are making their social media a ministry space. And like, they could be very tempted to see what you're doing. Like you've, you've got a family and a job and all these things. And it's just overwhelming from the other side of the fence. You know, someone's like, I'm just balancing having an apartment and paying my bills and the, the 300 people that follow me. So first, how do you balance all that you do in a way that, and you just said you're, you're a little burnout. So I want to know, how do you, how do you do all, balance all that you do in a way that avoids burnout or what do you have a team? Who's your team? What tools do you use? Do you have certain rhythms? And like, but also since you, I mean, you admitted that you get burnout on stuff. Like, how do you recognize that, that you as a, as a human are at the end of being a content creating machine? Yeah, I. I just think I'm leaning into the things that are super natural for me. And that's how I can stay out of burnout. And mind you, I just moved across the country about two months ago and I'm living in my parents' basement. And so, and I have three children that are also living there. So my burnout is really personal. It's not necessarily a professional thing. It's that I am taking my kids to swim lessons after this conversation and going back and forth and trying to find a house and finishing a manuscript that's due October 4 that I'm not done with yet. So I am burned out personally in my personal life. And so because of that, I have to recognize what areas of my life do I need help on, right? So for me, that looked like hiring somebody to now run my emails because I couldn't keep up with them anymore. It looked like hiring somebody to do my Instagram because the reality was I am just not able anymore to keep up with it. And it, cause Instagram doesn't, I don't want to hurt my Instagram friends feelings because every, I know some people love Instagram. It's just not my favorite place. That said, I think we can know people really well on Instagram because of the video component. So when I see you in your stories and showing up, I think you can develop really personal relationships. But writing for me is a very natural thing that actually gives me life. I enjoy it. There is not, besides when I take my Sabbath from social media, which I do once a week, I don't miss a day tweeting, no matter how tired I am, because I actually enjoy it. It, it actually wakes me back up and gives me energized again to sit down and think, okay, what do I want to write about today? How am I feeling? What am I processing? How do I express this to people? I enjoy that. So I think figure out where your natural gifts are. And maybe for you, it is Instagram and it's, you're, you're great at taking pictures and you're really, you're really aesthetically pleasing and you're putting together of things. That's not me, you know? And so if that is you lean into that, but figure out where can you show up that's natural and that gives you purpose and meaning in life so that you can sustain the seasons where like I'm in right now, where you're in a basement. How do you sustain the basement? How do you sustain it? Right. You lean into the positive spaces that give you life. Yeah. Yeah. I think also and get a team when you need a team, ask for help. I can't tell you my, my friend told me for a long time, you really should hire somebody. I was like, I can't, I, I just felt really weird about that. And I, it has been the best decision I've ever made. And I am doing so much better in my ministry because I realized I can't do it all. 
And let me lean into somebody who is really good at administration. My friend that's running my, um, my ministry through email and dealing with all the different people that we're going to go speak at. Like she, she just sends me an email that has everything I need for, I'm getting on a flight on Friday to go speak in Nashville. And she's like, here's all the things that you need. That's her gift. Like she literally has the gift of administration. And that makes, she says, I enjoy administration. Like it gets me excited. Mm. That's her passion. (laughs) And so why would I not lean into that? Cause that's not my passion. I'm not good at that. Right. And it just gives my brain more energy to do what it actually is good at. Yeah. And I think also recognizing like there are, there are teams, there are ways to build a team without like Hector and I are a team. Yes. I never before this would have been like, I'm going to, I'm going to hire somebody like it's outside of my budget, but like, I also well, never- can I speak to that, Sarah, really quickly, well, just because I'm a professor and I, I think it's important that because everybody always tells me, oh, I can't afford to hire somebody. You can always afford to hire a student. And the reason I say that is because what people don't understand is my students are always looking for a way to build their resume. Hmm. That's not fast food or that's not the mall, but nobody's hiring 20 year old kids. Right. But are you kidding? Like a 20 year old kid to put together your Instagram, they will absolutely do that for $200 a month. Are you kidding? You want them to post once a day and now they get to have that on their resume saying, Hey, this, I can show you somebody's account that I help build. It, you, there are resources available. And I like telling people this because students need opportunities. They've got to start somewhere. And so sometimes I think because we assume we can't afford it, but there's, there's ways around that. One of my students Somebody on Twitter DM me and said, Hey, do you have any students who would be interested in doing an internship with her and her company? And she was, I think going to pay, it was like $500 a month or something like that. Um, she's a business owner. So she had more money, but it was like $500 a month. And she just wrote me back and said, Heather, your student has more than three times made back for my business what I'm paying her already in the the quality of work that she's produced. These kids are bright and talented and just looking for somebody to give them a chance. And so be that first little job opportunity for them. That's such a good suggestion. Like, I don't, I never would have thought of that. And it's something that it's, it's just like, until I found, until I found Hector, like, (laughs) (laughs) I find Hector, until I found Hector, it was like, I was scared to talk about what I needed, even with my friends. Like, these are the people who love me, who want to see me do well. And it was like, I don't want to let anybody know that I need help. Yeah. And so I continued to do everything on my own and limited what, like, if, if God would, would ask me to do something, I would limit it by saying, I I can only do this by myself. Like I think Mm -hmm. about when Elijah's off having his his meltdown out in the, in the desert. And God comes and he's like, you know, what's wrong with you? This is a paraphrase. This is the Sarah paraphrase. And he's like, well, it's, it's really bad. And I'm doing it all by myself. I'm all alone. And God is like, okay, well, if you go back down, you're going to find that there's like thousands of people who you can do this with. So you ready to go? And it's like, (laughs) we need, each other. Sometimes you need to go out and have a nap and a bite to eat and to tell God that you feel like you're all alone. And he'll be like, okay, well, that's not true. So just turn around and go back down and get with your people, go talk to the people and find out like you have similar passions and, and complementary gifts, giftings, like where I'm lacking, Hector is not. And, um, 
I don't think Hector's lacking in anything. But if oh. <laughs> I beg to differ, <laughs> uh, I do. Like I just I enjoy being a team, and I, you know, that's that is definitely something that I have learned through doing the pocket pulpit is just that people are are willing to work with you, and people yeah. the same. Um, if you find people with the same passions and different giftings, like see how you guys can try things together and see how you can just work to make things work. When, if, if I did not have my best friend, Scarlett doing, I'm that wife with me, I would have quit two years ago. And I remember it, like the day I said, Scarlett, I don't want to do this anymore. I think we had 9,000 followers after three years. And for some people that would be a lot, but for me, we were hardcore blogging, I think twice a week, her and I were both writing twice a week wow. for three years. Hmm. And I'm watching other people post a picture in a bikini and blow up. Right. And I was just like, forget this. I am putting together a think piece. This will change your life. If you give me a chance, nobody cares. Right. 9,000 followers in three years. And I just felt like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm exhausted. And I said to Scarlett, I want to quit. And she said, I don't think we're supposed to quit. And she was like, can you just please, can we give this one more month? And I said, okay, I, I literally, this was our conversation. I said, okay, we have one more month. Literally about two weeks after that conversation, we had our first viral piece. And I always look back on that moment. We went overnight from 9,000 people to 20,000 people overnight. Wow. And I look, and now we're at over 200,000 people. And that was, I think a year and a half ago or two years ago. I, I look back on that moment and I'm like, wow, if it was just me, I absolutely would have quit. And I would have never, and I would have felt then the rest of my life, God, I thought you called me to this. I thought you wanted me to write. I thought you wanted me to speak into women's lives who are experiencing the struggle that I was experiencing as a working mom. And I was faithful to you, God, and you didn't show up for me. I was two weeks away from seeing the hand of God show up in my life in that particular work that we do. And I would have missed it had I not had a partner. We have, I think partnership is one of the greatest gifts God gives us. So I cannot echo what you're saying enough. Everybody needs to find their Hector. That's what we should title this episode. Yeah. You, you have find to your find Hector. your Hector. You have to. <laughs> and the internet lets us do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, I think I, we've told a little bit of the story here, but just the fact that it was because of the internet. And partially because of, of all the lockdown stuff this last year and a half, but like Sarah and I would not have come across each other on Twitter one, because of when Sarah joined Twitter the time, but then two, just it's across the country and the separation just from here to there is just such an, an immense gap, right. To close. And the internet is a gift that has allowed that gap to, to lessen. And so, no, absolutely. I think, the team thing is is such a like I just tweeted oh I didn't I didn't actually tweet it's in the drafts but uh, by the <laughs> time this airs yeah by the time this airs it'll probably be uh, be a tweet but it's basically that Sarah will rewrite descriptions like she'll write better descriptions of the episode you know as we're tweeting out like hey this time we you know I'm like oh here's kind of the topic. As I'm editing, right? Like, here's here's kind of what we talked about. And then Sarah will come with like, hey, if you're thinking about this, 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 or this, this is the episode for you. This is what we talk about. This is, you know, the places there are. And, and that's something that, like, I need, right? As, like, I can give a description that sort of tells you what to expect of the episode. But even just that small thing helps to elevate the 
the even the connectedness, right? Like, okay, nobody wants to hear about uh, what was the last one we did? Vulnerability, right? As as Christian celebrity, you know. But then to to hear, I don't even. I, I'll pull it up and include it in the the show notes. But just the the explanation that Sarah gave for the episode was like, oh, that's better. Yeah. But just the team of like small things, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be, I need someone to do the big thing because right. I can't do it. it's like, it's the, hey, can someone come and do the things that may feel small and insignificant? But the truth is that those are going to be the things that allow me to step in and do what I like to do, what I enjoy. Um, so no, that's, that's such a good uh, truth to remember that doesn't have to be a great big team doing all great big things it's the small things the 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 little things that put forth just a, a good or, or big product i don't i don't even know what i'm trying to say here but no i think it's biblical god sent them out two by two so mm. we we should be looking for a team i think as we walk into whatever we think we are called to i just i don't know that you survive it alone and that's, and this is the truth. I have learned now that I get to have conversations with people that I, oh, like I couldn't have even dreamed to sit on a Zoom with. And as I'm watching, Annie Downs called me right before I got on this call. And as I watch women like her, who I've admired for a long time, they have teams. Yeah. Every, I can promise you every single person that you are watching right now posting, you're like, how do they do that? How do they come up with it? They have teams that actually sit and say, what's the vision? What are we trying to do? And they operate and move together. You might only see it through one person, but there's a team behind the scenes. And that is so crucial. And I think that's how the gospel is going to be best revealed is through the team. Francis Chan does this really, everybody should watch it after this talk. Um, it's on YouTube and he like has a Lego piece. And he says how all of us keep like showing our Lego pieces as if we're fantastic, but the only way Legos work is if you build them together. It is lunacy to say, look at my piece because your piece means nothing if it's not a part of a larger plan. And we're all a part of a larger plan. And that's why we should have a kingdom mindset as we walk into our ministries. Well, the takeaway is get a Hector to do the big main things. Get a (laughs) to do the The little things and make sure to watch Francis Chan and his Lego manual. You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So one of our favorite questions, Heather, um, even if it's not everybody else's favorite question, but our favorite question to ask is tell us about a time that you failed online. Like you tried something and it didn't work or you said something and didn't go over well, something like that and what you learned from it. Oh, man. That happens a lot less for me now because I think much harder because I know more people are going to see it. I feel like that happened more when I used to just, at, there were absolute, I remember times that I've had to delete something because so many people were angry with me for saying it, which by the way, I still think the point I made was actually quite biblical, but people were upset. The, the times that I've done it are when I didn't think it through. And so what I would say, and and everybody, realizes this more. I think the more people are watching you just because people will be get more critical. I get to this, this week, I got a letter sent to my work again with my tweets printed out. Right. So I, I don't have the luxury anymore of just saying things. And I used to just like, Oh, that sounds funny. Or 
whatever. I thought it and I'd send it out. I would never do that anymore. No matter how upset I am or angry I am. I, I literally always have to step back and say, or I'll still write it down. I just won't ever send it, but I'll just step back and say, okay, what is, what do I actually think God has called me to? And for me, I have a very specific answer to that. It's to strengthen people's hands. And that's what I pray every day. God help me to strengthen people's hands. Help me to steady feeble knees. People just need hope right now. That's my own personal ministry, right? And so if what I'm going to say isn't really building towards that, I often just won't even say it. That's what I've learned. And, and that's because I've had so, when I used to just callously, so I just went through, Ed Stetzer told me to delete all of my old tweets once. And so I was going back through, I was like, I'm not going to delete all of them because I really like to have this record of my growth. But I, I went back through to see the things I was tweeting back when nobody was watching me tweet. And what I noticed about myself back then is I used to be very quick to defend myself. So somebody, I would say something, somebody would say why I was wrong. And I was very, I, I literally, and I remember the compulsion inside where I was like, I have to tell them why they're wrong. I can't let this just sit on my feed and have people all of a sudden think that they're right because I haven't responded to it. And now I never respond. I just don't, I won't respond to anybody no matter. I had some, I, I, and this is what I'm saying about how it doesn't even matter anymore. Cause there's just so many people that people get mad. I posted about yogurt the other day about my husband <laughs> buying me a yogurt. And I, I said something, I was like something like how I, I was so grateful that my husband at nine o'clock at night, left the house because he wanted to go get me a yogurt because I asked for a yogurt. And somebody commented, dropping the F-bomb saying, I can't, there's so many problems in this world and you're mad or, and you're talking about your husband, you're sending your husband to get you an effing yogurt, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and they did three comments. I screenshot them and sent them to my friend, Scarlett. I was like, oh my goodness, like three comments back to back about what a horrible person I was for asking my husband to get me a yogurt. And I had all these witty things that I wanted to say back. And then I was just like, it doesn't matter. You know, like, Hey, Heather, what is your job? What do you feel God has called you to? Let's stay on track. And that's to strengthen hands. And if this person is clearly having a bad day. Right. And this makes them feel better. Whatever. Let whoever see it, see it. You don't have to defend yourself. Other people will defend you and let that be what it is. And so when I've just, when I've been able now to zoom out, it keeps me out of trouble. And I say that now, and I'm sure, I'm sure like by the time this airs, I'll have said something maybe where everybody's like, get her. Um, but so far I just, I just, I try to stay out of the drama because I don't know that it's helpful, right? Like I'm very, I, I have no problem. I'm, I'm obviously a black woman. So if it has to do with like racism, I don't care. You can come at me all day. I'm going to tell you, Hey, what's happening. We, there is a systematic imbalance in our country right now. There's a problem, right? I'm okay with you hating me for that. That doesn't bother me, but I don't want to stir up needless controversy. And so I just don't, mm. even when I have a very funny joke that I think would, <laughs> some people would really appreciate. I just say it's not worth it. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? With those drafts, those witty drafts, or like when you, you said you screenshot it and showed it to your best friend is like, is that part of how you manage? Like, it is really, it's really hard not to say things sometimes. It's really hard to, to particularly if you've got a really witty comeback and you're like, you know what I could say, I could say, and it would, it would just end it. So do you find that like having a safe person, is that how you manage not scratching that itch? Do you, so I'm a really weird person and I often will take a moment between me and God where I'll say, 
thank you for allowing me to have my feelings hurt because I, I don't ever want to forget what that's like. I, I'm thinking of a very recent thing. Somebody sent me on Instagram. It was just, what did she say? Something like, oh, I, I discovered you through my friend who loves you, but I can't stand your voice. I think that's what she said. Cool. I can't stand your voice. But then she like went on and asked me for advice, but, it, but that was how she opened. It was like, my friend loves you. I don't get why, because I can't stand your voice. I, I literally can't listen to one of your sermons. I just can't stand your voice. Anyway, going through a divorce. Can you give me some help? Like that's what the message said. And I, I stepped back and I said, Lord, thank you that I know what it feels like to have somebody hurt my feelings. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to be above that. I want to always know what it, cause I get a lot of positive feedback too. Right. And life really, you are your best self. And this is, this is like communication theory, but we are our best selves when we have nourishing and noxious people in our lives. Those noxious people actually serve a purpose, which is to never get us so self-righteous that we think we have everything figured out. So at this point, because I'm not somebody that gets slammed with horrible critique all the time. And I feel bad for people like Issa Macaulay who are doing such important work. And because of the sphere he's in as a theologian, he gets a lot more, I think, unwanted critique than I will ever experience or Beth Moore. Like she's getting way more just because of the fields that they speak in. I'm with young people and they're pretty chill, right? Like a lot of my audience are college students and they, they, they're just not mad about when I say something about that's like, that would be considered a, like a, a controversial statement, maybe in an all white congregation in their sixties, my students aren't offended by that. Right. So I don't experience it like they do. When I do, I just think it's a good moment for me to take that and say, oh yeah, like people hurt my feelings and it's good to be humble and it's okay to feel low about yourself. And it's okay to, to question something you said, right. It's okay for somebody to say to you, you should have said this differently. Should I have? Let me think about that. Like everything doesn't have to be an attack and some things are warranted. Yeah, maybe somebody's just mad about yogurt for no reason and that's their problem. But sometimes the things people say to you are, are valid. And how do we, how can we never be above that? And I, I think that's what I meant when I said in the beginning, I'm a teacher. I have to be able to take the feedback of my students. On like the third week of class, I walk out of the classroom and I tell them, I want you guys to discuss what I should be doing differently what is one thing you would like me to change about this class right now? And then I'll come back in and, and you can have somebody tell me what you think should be different. I want to know. Cause at the end of the semester, when they give me my feedback, it's too late for you. I can't change anything then. We should be students all the time and willing to keep growing and learning. I think what um, I was just thinking, I just thought this and it, it made me get a little like teary, but what I hear you saying is like, somebody comes for you and you stop and you say, first, I need to feel my own humanity. Yes. You're not. A you said that much better than me. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what she said. That's exactly what I meant. Well, as Hector said, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> true. You can, you could have looked at it and been like, I'm going to compartmentalize that. And I'm going to put that in the, you're a jerk box. And then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to show that you're a jerk box to my friend. Who's not, who's over. Like, we're going to have a private little moment to be mad about the inhumanity of that person but instead you take a moment and you feel your own humanity and that allows you to be compassionate to the humanity of the other one and that's i mean that's powerful 
I spend a lot of time meditating and I highly recommend it. It's a really great skill. I think every Christian should be doing because it actually rewires your brain in like six weeks. So please take 20 minutes a day and just meditate on scripture or what God has told you he is, or how have you experienced him? Take 20 minutes a day in a dark room and just spend time meditating on the word of God. And I promise you within six months, and this is true of, of neuroscience, it will change your brain. You will be what you just said. It literally enlarges the area of your brain that experiences empathy. People who meditate, they had somebody standing on a, um, on a subway and they were just trying to test it. And people who meditated were more likely to give up their seat. Hmm. And it was like 10 times more likely. When they, when it, your brain just starts walking through life, noticing things and not rushing through things. Right. I think when, I think what kills our compassion is just that we're busy. It's yeah. not that people aren't compassionate. It's that we're also busy that by nature, when I'm busy, I become more selfish because I only have so much time yeah. to take a minute and just tell yourself the story of God. Yes. About his character. Who's, who's the character and what is his character? And what does that mean about the other characters? And how have you seen it? Display, yeah. Like how, what I like to do is I'll say, you know, people say, well, God is peace. And I'll take a time where I'll spend 20 minutes. and I'll just think, how do I know that? In what ways, God, have I seen you bring peace into my life? And to me, that's been a really important activity to do. Mm. Yeah. But I think, I think too, is, is also just to, especially like when you are engaging well, social media and you start to build those relationships and you just the same way in real life relationships if something happens where we go hey that wasn't normal right like that was out of character uh and not holding people to things that seem out of character as like well now i'm going to change who i believe you to be but rather i'm going to take the time to really analyze that like that was out of character for them why was that and maybe there's something that i can do to enter into that and understand, you know, maybe someone is upset, right? Just the same way we talk about responding in anger online. Maybe someone is angry online. Yeah. Maybe they just need someone to like acknowledge that and not in anger respond. And so just those, that story, I mean, that's been the theme of today of just the stories that, that we live in and that we tell and that we respond in. Well, so we, we don't like to end on negative uh, stories. And I know that you shared, you know, it's been really good for you kind of as you think about and slow down and don't not get caught up in the negative. But so can you just share one example of a time where something did work really well or you saw the story that you're telling or sharing uh, really resonate with your community? Oh, well, the times that come to mind, I mean, I I have no idea if they're like viral situations, but I have had several people who were no longer going to church or hadn't been to church in years, DM me and say, like, I literally walked in a church today because of your tweets. That it actually makes me want to cry. Yeah. You know, that's the power of the Holy Spirit because that doesn't make sense. Except that the Spirit is constantly like, what is the Bible says? Like, I devise all mean, or I, I constantly devise a mean that all may be saved. Like, God is constantly looking for an in. 
And what an honor, what a great title for you guys' podcast. What an honor to just like be in someone's pocket and be able to restore to them whatever their own dignity in Christ is to make them believe that a relationship with God is accessible. And this is, I am passionate about this, at least with young people. I won't speak for all people. The biggest problem I have seen with young people is that they struggle to believe that God would be accessible to them. And so how do we, in our humanity and authenticity, show them that God is so accessible, right? And the picture that we have, I think it's Revelation 21, where it says, John is looking over, um, he's looking into heaven and he sees a multitude that no man could number. This isn't something where it's like, by the skin of my teeth, I'm going to get in. And it says that there's 12 gates, right? Back in that context, there's one gate because you're trying to keep everybody out. God says there are 12 because I'm going to get as many people as I can in. You can come in this way or this way or this way or this way. God is not trying to keep you by the skin of my teeth. I just might make it right. God, God is not demanding our righteousness. He is providing us righteousness. And I am so passionate that young people, all people understand that that he is constantly looking for a devising means that all should be saved. And we have a part to co-labor in that. And that's why there's a responsibility. And so if somebody's watching you and I, if you have 10 followers, somebody's watching you take ownership of the messages that you're creating and sending and how that would impact those 10 people. I'm telling you right now, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, I'm one word away from losing it. You know, I am one, I am one push away from just to totally deconstructing everything. And so how do we provide a word where somebody says, okay, I have a moment where I can breathe again, or I, I can see peace again, or God feels accessible to me again. I just think there's a responsibility on, on true believers to constantly take that opportunity. And when you're online, if you have a hundred people, when else do you have a hundred people willing to listen to you? When else? Like that never happens. What an honor. I really mean it when I say that. What an honor we all get as Christians to share our faith. If this, this changed your life, you better tell somebody. Is this really the best thing? That, if this is the best thing that ever happened to your life, why in the world would you not tell everybody? And it matters the way you tell that message. Communicators know that. The way you tell the message matters as to whether or not people can receive it. So take time and pray to God and say, okay, this is, you know, my story. How do I share this? And he's going to give you wisdom in doing that. That only helps him and his purpose, right? It's not that it, it is counterintuitive to God's mission to not help you reach that objective. Are you kidding me? Why would God not want to bless your evangelism? Right. 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 So we, we ask him, guide me in this process. And he absolutely will. Yeah. 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 I I loved that like the the way that you phrased the feedback you got with it. They've they've stepped back in a church because I have heard people talk about social media ministry as a as almost the enemy of the church. Like mm. it is coming to wipe out regular church life and like people want to do that so they can stay in their pajamas and never see people, ne never go around other people again. They want to be lazy in their faith and they want to be all alone and not have to serve or give or do anything with the church. But I love, love hearing stories about people who were impacted online and it drove them into the body of Christ 
near them. It, it, it drove them into, they had both online community and in-person community that one impacted the other so that that connection was just fuller and healthier and accessible to use your word. Yeah. And we should all screenshot those. If somebody says anything to you, like, Hey, you gave me hope today, screenshot that you have to go back and remind yourself because it's very easy to forget of what you're really supposed to be doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we, when we hopped on the zoom, I was just telling Sarah that like today was a really like, just a hard day, you know? And, And those days I think are, they're in and out, you know, of like, man, is the work that, that I'm doing locally here in my, my body, um, but also just with the online ministry, like, is this, is this really going to be, you know, long, long-term impactful and even short-term impactful, but getting a tweet of someone who's like, Hey, I listened to the latest episode, like two seconds before I hop on a zoom call and just the, the incredible power that encouragement can do to lift our spirits and to to even just get us out of a funk of uh, there is no you know there is no light of day right like I can't see and but yeah. to be encouraged with not even not just a simple listen to the episode I resonated with some things I'm gonna go listen to the rest of the podcast right and just remembering that it's that quick it took thirty seconds to send that tweet yeah. It matters, right? Yeah. How do we constantly remember that our lives matter? And if your life matters, every way that you enter classrooms for me or situations or your workplace, it matters. Yeah. And be, the, and be that person for somebody. Like, yeah. It takes, like you said, 30 seconds to say, hey, I saw that. Or hey, yeah. or, hey. You remind me of my friend Hector, who is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you uh, both Sarah and and Heather just for your time today and just getting to the chat and to to just think about this online ministry. Heather, do you have anything else that that you would want to share or encourage uh, our listeners Yeah. So the number one thing I would say to encourage somebody who's trying to get into social media ministry is be consistent, be consistent. This is, you got to play the long game. This is not something where I, this is not something where, you know, you should be even, you have to write it down too. Like you want to see the growth happening over periods of time because it's very easy to forget. (laughs) So play the long game, be consistent show up when you say you're going to show up and don't quit and, and deciding your mind, like how long am I going to give this before I make an assessment and then find a partner. Mm, that's good stuff. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Sarah. Great to, to chat with you as good well. Teammate. Yeah, friend. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for joining us on the pocket pulpit. Uh, Thank you for just joining us on this exploration of what social media ministry is, uh, how to go about it, and the many different means of saving and reaching out uh, to different people. So thank you. Thank you all. See you next time.